longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and boy, do we have a show for you today. We have, we're going to be talking about many films. We're going to be talking about Fantastic Four, Ricky and the Flash, Mission Impossible, Shaun the Sheep, and we're going to have a debate on comic book films. Right now, I am here with James Achilles and talking about the new Kids World app. How are you doing, James? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Fantastic. Well, we're happy to have you on the show. I love Kids World website. It's a great outlet for children's media. So before we talk about the Kids World app, tell us a bit about yourself and um, how you incorporate with Kids World. Uh, a bit about myself. Um, I've been working for Kids World since about 2006. Um, first started on doing some advertising and media and I had moved from a couple of different roles throughout the time. I'm now currently the vice president of Kids World and um, work on some of the development, making more site improvements for the users and just all around making the site the best it can be for all our great members. And what do you think Kids World separates from different like children's media outlets? Uh, the biggest thing that separates us is we're sort of an online portal for kids and teens. Uh, we provide a safe environment where kids can engage in content, forums, chat rooms, profiles, all in a very safe, secure, moderated area so they can be safe and know that when they're posting online and chatting with their friends that they're in a bully-free zone, there's no swearing, yes. and you know, just... They feel secure because there's not a lot of outlets like that anymore. Yes, it's sad but true. And that's what's great about Kids World. Safe outlet, place where you can check out some great chat rooms and also movie reviews. And they talk about different celebs and all that stuff. It's fun. So tell us a little bit about this new Kids World app. Is it pretty much Kids World's website only on the go? Yeah, so Kids World as, um, as a whole launched in 2001. It was an online magazine. And then in 2007, we launched the social network aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then as things progressed, um, you know, mobile users have grown a ton. Um, we launched our mobile site about a year and a half ago. And then oh, wow. we noticed so more and more of our members are you know, on their iPod Touches, their iPads, their iPhones. So we thought an app would be a great way to engage them more, providing them with notifications for things like comments, private messaging, new friend requests, and just allowing them to always stay logged in and just quick access to all their user profile information. And while still able to engage with you know, the movie reviews, the game reviews, and still posting the forums. Yes, and speaking of the movies, thank you very much for carrying out all of our Kids First reviews. That's, we really appreciate that very much yeah absolutely i think we have like probably about 50 of them on there right now in our video section yeah fantastic well thank you very much for that so marketing standpoint i mean i know it's like more the background stuff and not many kids know about so can you tell us about the struggles of marketing because it is a very important part of creating media out there putting media out there yeah absolutely for kids world you know we are from vancouver so um we're still trying to get out and you know most of our users are actually in the u.s but i guess we have around probably users from around 200 countries right now, but, you know, 70% of them are in the U.S., so, you know, we're still trying to get all the members out there, get them to meet new friends, but the big struggle we have is, as a safe, as a safe social network, you can't share your personal information, so it's always tough to invite your real-world friends to there and find them. Yes, and for someone who's been doing this for quite a while now, what do you think is the most important part of providing children um, positive outlets, um, especially in today's um, social media and entertainment world? I think that's super important because, you know, as you look around now, what 
lot of younger audience are being projected to. It's not some of the most positive things. So we try and really provide, you know, like in, like the fresh current media, but in a way that all ages can look at. Because we could have a user, say, as young as nine on the site, so you still have to appeal to the 17-year-old, but still making it, you know, very friendly for all audiences, no matter the age. Totally agree. And this Kids World's app, getting a little more technical, is it available for all forms, like Androids, um, Apple phones? So for, currently, right now, it's available in the iOS app store. So that would be for your iPhone, your iPod Touch. And it's available for the iPad at the end of this week. There's an update going out that includes iPad. And for the Android devices, we have that currently in the works right now. And we're hoping that to, that to be live by about August 24th. Okay, sounds fantastic. So I know we'll be looking for August 24th. Yeah, well, are you on an Android device? Yes, I am. I'm an actual Android, and I can't wait to check it out because that's all I have is Android. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, it's there for you. Fantastic. You mentioned that there's, you're going to be taking out, putting out some more stuff. Is there anything else that we should be looking for with Kids World? Um, I think right now, big, big push right now are Android, Apple devices, and the apps, but we're starting to ramp up our game section right now. We have a there are games that are really going to be working on some new content and some game reviews and videos coming up quite soon. Well, fantastic. Can't wait to go check this out. And I, your website is fun. I mean, you've got games, you've, you promote cool reviews, and even some um, environmental stuff as well. And it's just a great place to hang out and have fun. Yeah, it's nice. The uh, school stuff section is actually one where you have all the environmental stuff, homework, health. So we still try to cover you know, the entertainment and games. It's still you know, the important thing. But... The advice school sections are very, very sort of fun stuff where you can find homework help and you know stuff for science projects or art or things like that. Totally agree, and it's that's yeah. what makes this website amazing. Thank you so much, James, for talking about Kids World's app. It's been a pleasure. Perfect. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you as well. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and today we just got done talking with James Achilles about Kids World app. We're going to be talking about Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Shaun the Sheep, Ricky and the Flash, and also a debate on comic books. Right now, I'm talking about Michelle, about the new reimagining of Fantastic Four with Michelle. Thanks for being on the show, Michelle. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. So, what did you think about this new Fantastic Four film? Oh my god, I, I was so disappointed leaving that theater. I was just really sad that it just wasn't made well. I'm usually the defender of Marvel films, and oh, if Willie's listening to this, I am going to get panned by Willie, and he's going to tell me I told you so. But I agree with you. I, as a Marvel <laughs> fan, I mean, it it had a good start. It had a good start. Dude. Yeah. With Miles Teller and everyone, it had a great start, but it just didn't fulfill the the justice and everything of Mar- right. of Marvel's um, Fantastic Four, but but what, what to you made it disappointing? I feel like, like compared to the last Fantastic Four, well, for starters, I don't even know why they would have to make a reboot of such a great movie already. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just feel like the acting and everything was just so dull. And it just wasn't like everything was just really boring. There was only like three settings. And all, all those settings were like, like all the good ones they spent one minute in. And like all the boring ones, it was like... 60. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it felt like a 40-minute trailer for a film that really didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, right when it started getting interesting, it just kind of pressed fast forward. And no, I mean, it was, it, it had a good start. I mean, I, I mean, I liked the first half, but by the time the second half and they got their powers, it just felt like, 
we're not going to show the most interesting part of it. But what did yeah, you think about at least the special effects in here? I mean, at least that was upgraded. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like the special effects, Marvel always does a great job when it comes to graphics and all of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. That was like the best part of the movie. Yeah, and I, I did like the stretching powers from Mr. Fantastic and the design of yeah. um, Thing. But uh, what about the, I mean, I know the actors weren't entirely utilized, but for what they were in the beginning, what did you think about their acting there? Well, I, it's really hard considering that Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan, all, all these people, they're not really, they don't really look like superhero characters. Trust me, they're good actors for everything else. But when it comes to becoming a superhero, to me, they look too, I don't know, they look so ordinary to me like you know what i mean like when you look at a superhero you see there's something different about them you see a spark in their personality or they have like this awesome thing a trait and to them they just look like normal teenagers yeah and i do see that and i I understand why they try to reboot it because again chris evans was in the original fantastic four and i don't think they could have used him because then it would be a paradox in the marvel universe right (laughs) but uh no i mean i can't agree with you more i it's it just felt like that they had great actors, they had an interesting setting, but the darker direction they went with it kind of killed the comic book atmosphere of it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I have to ask, are you a Marvel fan? Yeah, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Like, like if, if I were to go to every premiere of a Marvel movie, I totally would. Like, I'd be first in line. So, <laughs> do you understand the kind of frustration of these Yes, oh my god. Like, I am just so, like, like I left that theater. I was just so mad. And I was so disappointed because it's Marvel. Like, my favorite, oh, like, oh, I don't know. I was just, so many emotions. <laughs> but the, the light at the end of the tunnel is this. 20th Century Fox, who created this film, did make a good Fantastic Four film, which was in 2005. So yes. <laughs> that is the light at the end of the tunnel. So at least they yes. made one. They made a good one. Right. But do you see maybe a future for these characters, maybe being other Marvel films? Honestly, not at all. I feel like none of them really portrayed their characters well. Like even Doctor Doom, if, if you didn't know this already, Doctor Doom is one of the most genius of villains Mm-hmm. everywhere like he's he is a pure genius and he know he is and he's smart and he's he's very like he's very confident too and i feel like his character especially could have been made so much better and could have been portrayed so much better than how it was in the film yeah. he looked really lame and and weak to yeah. me and like he had like like you know how in marvel movies they always have these awesome quotes from these villains yes well in this one there was nothing like literally nothing and that's sad but you know what the icing on top of the cake is there was what? no stan lee cameo yeah <laughs> none we that's were looking crazy. for it so even stan lee i'm sorry can i ask you how many stars you would get this film yes two out of five stars and i think we pretty much gave us our explanation why um yes. so <laughs> <laughs> thank you michelle for this wonderful discussion and hopefully we see new more of a film soon thank you so much for having me always a pleasure this film is in theaters now so if you want to go check it out for yourself please do let's take a break i'm your host keeper blakesley and you're listening to kids first coming attractions Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. 
All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our kids' first film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. We just talked to James Ackles, who's the VP of Kids World and creator of the Kids World app and also the movie Fantastic Four. But right now we're going to talk to Lainey and Morgan about Breaking the Flash. How are you guys doing? Hi, I am wonderful. Hi, I'm doing great. So Lainey is 13 years old and lives in Colorado and Morgan is 10 years old and lives in Los Angeles. Lainey, overall, how did you like the film? Overall, I thought the film was really great and I really enjoyed the cast. All right, and can you tell us the story, please? Ricky and the Flash is about, well, of course, Ricky, played by Meryl Streep, who walked out on her husband and her three children to pursue her lifelong dream of becoming a rock star. When she returns home, she has to rekindle, you know, her relationship with her kids to make things right. It's a very unique story. Morgan, how did you enjoy the story? I actually thought the story was a very intriguing story. And a lot of people are talking about you can accomplish anything as long as you put your heart and mind into it. But they never really talk about sacrifices or what it takes and the hard work. And this shows what hard work it takes and what she had to give up. And she had to pay the most price, which was her family and her children. You know, I definitely agree, and I thought when I first saw the story that it was fantastic. I thought it was a very unique story. Lainey, this film is definitely a comedy at heart. How did you enjoy the comedy? I enjoyed the comedy. Well, the music was definitely great. Oh my gosh, and the comedy definitely was really funny. There were some parts of the movie that just made me laugh so hard. Yeah, from the trailer, it looks completely hilarious. And Morgan, can you tell us about the directing? Is it good, bad, okay? The directing was simply amazing. And plus, Meryl Streep did not know how to play a guitar before this role. And she spent 45 minutes with Neil Young taking lessons. 
And that is simply amazing that she can be able to nail it like that. And Rick Springfield taught her how to talk like a rock star and how to be one. And that was really funny. She did a fantastic job of doing that. And the cast and the crew and the director all did astonishing. And I want to say kudos to all of them. It definitely, it is definitely a fantastic cast. And the director, by the way, is Jonathan Deem. So, Lainey, how's the cinematography? I thought that the cinematography went pretty smoothly. And I thought that he did an amazing job throughout the whole movie. And Morgan, what do you think of the music, like, overall? I know Lainey said she liked it, but what do you think? This music was definitely something that everybody could relate to. And the bar scene, they took an old, worn-out building, threw in some bar stools and chairs, got some Shirley Temples and kept them going, and threw in a stage, the greatest band ever, Meryl Streep playing Ricky she seemed like she was really herself. She was just having fun, just interacting and singing and just having a great time, which made me happy. And they just made me so happy that I felt like I was literally there drinking Shirley Temples and dancing along and singing with them. That does sound pretty awesome. And Lainey, how many stars would you give this film and why? I'd give this film a four out of five stars because overall it was, you know, a really fun movie to watch and I really enjoyed it. That's good. It definitely sounds like a fantastic movie. Morgan, what is your age rating? My age rating is 10 and up because there are many bar scenes and there are many mature topics in this. And young ones might not like it because it is kind of a dramedy, a drama and a comedy. And and that's part of the reason of why I gave this movie four and a half rocking stars. Well, it does sound like a fantastic movie. Thank you guys so much for talking to me about Ricky and the Flash. Thank you for talking with us. Of course. Thanks. If you'd like to see Ricky and the Flash, it is now in theaters. You're listening to the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Orris, and today we will talk about... Sean the Sheep will have a debate with comic books, our comic books art, and we're also going to talk about the film's Mission Possible. But right now we're going to talk to Samantha about Ricky and the Flash. So Samantha, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So Samantha, what did you think of the story? I thought the storyline was very unique, as as you guys all said. I thought it was kind of a twist on a very serious situation because it was about because it was about like the mom leaving her children, and that's a very ser- serious, heavy topic. And I thought like the comedy in there kind of like twisted it. So I thought it was a very unique story with like a serious topic and like a light comedy effect to it so you think this was more drama than a comedy almost yes and how what is your opinion on the cast because we all know Meryl Streep did fantastic because she's Meryl Streep but how did the others do and how's the directing I was actually hoping you asked me about the other actors because of course Meryl Streep did great I mean she's good in any role she's put in but Meryl Streep's on-screen daughter um her name is Julia in the film but off screen, her real name is Mamie Gummer. Um, she did great. She played. She played a very serious role. She played the role of a um, daughter whose husband left her to another woman, and I think she did good. I mean, her character had a lot of mood swings. Her character was on like heavy medication. Her character was also very depressed, and I think she did good for that role. And you could kind of see her character progress throughout the. Film. You know, she, when I saw her in the trailer, I'm like, wow, she is doing a pretty amazing job as acting. And also, do you think that 
people have to like drama to like this film or do you think they could like comedy and drama or something else well i think they could also like comedy because i'm not really a big drama person i mean i love comedies but i think that it has a good blend of both so so for me i think anybody could like this film even if you don't like drama or comedy i mean it has Meryl Streep in it, so like, who doesn't love Meryl Streep? But it also has music in it. If you're a big music lover, you might love this film. So yeah, I think most like everybody should love this film. That's definitely good. Do you think that you agree with Blaney and Morgan, who said pretty much overall this film was fantastic, or do you disagree? Well, I think this film was very good. It was unique. It was funny. It was a good blend of a bunch of different topics. But I think that thing that didn't go so well for me in the movie was that I felt like it moved a little bit too fast. Like, the story was great, but I felt like things were moving a little bit too fast. So out of all the scenes in the film, what do you think is your favorite? Well, since there are a lot of great scenes in the film, I would have to pick the opening scene because it was a surprise to see Meryl Streep singing and that kind of and that kind of got me ready for the whole film and I think it was just one of her best moments in the film because she was singing a great song and that's when like everybody got introduced and I just love that film so I just love that scene so much because it got me ready for the whole film that does sound like a fantastic scene how many stars do you give this film I would have to give it four out of five stars and why is that? Well, because it's it moved a little bit too fast, in my opinion. I feel like there were some things missing from the storyline. And I just felt like if it wasn't for that, I would have given it five stars. But because of that, I'm giving it four out of five stars. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about Ricky and The Flash. You are very welcome. Again, if you'd like to see this film, it is now in theaters. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Looking for an on-air community where teens talk and the world listens? Tune in to Express Yourself, an entertaining adolescent fusion radio program where passion and possibility populate the airwaves. Our vivacious teen hosts and star-studded field reporters from around the country offer stimulating segments and invigorating viewpoints connecting with the world campus of young people. We'll talk with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with experience. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Express yourself. 
We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. We just talked about the new movie, Ricky and the Flash, Fantastic Four, and also we talked to James Achilles, who is the VP of Kids World Company and creator of the Kids World app. All right, now we're going to talk to Kiefer about the new Mission Impossible movie. They have a tongue twister. Yes. So, Kiefer, how did you enjoy the film overall? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. This is my first Mission Impossible film, by the way. And I was thinking it was going to be like a kind of a... I was going to say it's a popcorn film and it was just going to be explosions. Kind of a... I was going to compare it to Michael Bay. And I know that was low of me to do. But no, I mean, this film was way better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, the story's great. I love the characters. The characters are pretty much your tour guides. There was, it's just a very thoroughly entertaining film because Mission Impossible does have a huge fan basis. And... The fans love when I was watching this in the movie theater. I love the fans' reactions to the music, which is this iconic music. And right when the title title came up, you knew what you were going what you were going to be in for because it was just an adrenaline rush. It was amazing. Yeah, and you know, if you know what an action film is, you know what Mission Impossible is. It is like the core action film for every other action film in the world. So in every action film, there is one main thing that everybody loves, and that's the stunts. Now, this is the fifth Mission Impossible, so are the stunts still creative? Are they still new? Incredibly creative. Uh, Tom Cruise is known for his authenticity with stunts. And I'm just going to be – I'm going to – okay – I don't believe everything I hear on the internet, but I tried. I looked, I researched this, and every every source tells me it's true. Tom Cruise is um, on this on the part where he's hanging out of a plane. That's really him. That's no CGI. That's him. Of course, those safety precautions, strings, and and um, a harness. Of course, we want to keep this multi-million dollar actor um, alive. But no, that's that's entirely him. That was a real stunt right there, and just, and that pretty much sums up the whole film because everything in this film looks very real, and it's real stunts. And uh, you you talk about committed actors. This Tom Cruise is a committed actor, and he's amazing. Yeah, I remember reading that. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not possible. He did not do that. I mean, yep. I know he's insane, but he's not that crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and also, there's usually Mission Impossible, there's either drama or comedy. Is there any of that in this film? Both. There was quite a bit of drama. The comedy is hilarious. Uh, Simon Pegg is a very good comedian. I do enjoy his comedy. He's a very. Sin- I like Simon Pegg's character because he's a very sincere friend, but he's a very. Hilarious. He's 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 a comedy relief pretty much, and it's fun when you see these actors because in real life these actors pretty buddy buddy. They um the connection between the actors are amazing. I love the comedy, and especially since the film's Mission Impossible, you have impossible scenarios and stunts that you know won't happen, but the chemistry between the characters kind of distracts you like a magician. They misdirection they with the connection with the characters they distract you from the smoke and mirrors that are happening behind you so there is a very wonderful connection with the characters so even kind of the relationship with the characters could be very surprising and you're unexpected yes definitely there was a relationship between uh tom cruise's character ethan hunt and uh another and oh my gosh i'm blanking out on her name uh she plays ilsa 
and she is a rogue agent, and she doesn't know if they can trust each other, and there's this ongoing uh, relationship. And I like that it's not just a a forced romance. There was they don't share they never share a kiss. I'm just gonna say that right now. It's not a it's not a forced romance. And I like that. I like that they don't have just because you have a woman protagonist doesn't automatically mean he has to hook up with the main character, the main hero. And that's that's rare in films. And I'm glad that they didn't do that. And by the way, the character's name the actress's name is Rebecca Ferguson. So my next question is this is the fifth in the series of Mission Impossible. Do you think the series is getting old at all? Well, the first one was in 1995, I think. Uh, I don't think it's... I think it's just getting better and adapting well. The way they ended it, I think that's the end of the Mission Impossible series. And if they ended it with this, I would be happy. I would be happy. And if I see more, unless they go a different direction with it, maybe they go, instead of getting Tom Cruise, they get someone else to continue the IMF franchise. I wouldn't mind... But no, I think I think they pretty much ended it here, and I'm okay with that. So I don't think it's getting entirely old. It's but it's adapting pretty well with its action. Well, you know, it's kind of upsetting, but it's also kind of happy because while it does end, and some fans will probably be sad about it, it is kind of happy to see it end nice instead of some films that try to stretch it out and continue out and try to make every buck out of the movie when it's not doing so well. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That's a good saying. Pretty much. Very, very quickly, how many stars do you give this film? I give this five out of five stars for the reasons I've just listed. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about Mission Impossible, Kiefer. It definitely sounds like a fantastic film. If you'd like to see Mission Impossible, it is now in theaters. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ors, and today we will talk about Shaun the Sheep and also have a debate about whether comic books are art or not. And that right now, I'm going to pass it over to Kiefer. Here you go, Kiefer. Thank you very much, Jerry. Right now, I am talking to Willie about the Shaun the Sheep film. Thank you for having me on the show, Willie. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you very much. So, this film, Shaun the Sheep, is based off a uh, claymation short that I, used to, that I don't know about you, but I personally watched when I was a child. So, what did you think about this film? Well, I, I'm a huge fan of Aardman, and Shaun the Sheep is no different than, you know, Wallace and Gromit. Yes. It's very fun. It's very entertaining. It's witty. It's it's clever. It's uh, it's everything I look for in a, in a movie. And I think claymation and stop motion animation is a very dying art, and I'm happy to see them return. Especially Leica, that that production company does a great job with stop motion effects. So, what do you think about the stop motion? Do you think it's a dying art, and you feel like they should be bringing this art back? Well, I love claymation, but uh, claymation. Like any other type of um, independent uh, filmmaking technique, it's not mainstream, you know. Yeah. People are still used to seeing, like, Pixar and Disney and the, you know, regular types of animation. That claymation looks too weird for them. So it's definitely something for the indie market, but I love it. It gives it this unique, um, you know, imaginative look that, that only claymation can get. I totally agree with you. Now, what about the, you talked about the witty writing since most of the main characters are silent, this is this dates back to the silent era. What did you think about that? A picture's worth a thousand words, and the same can be said for motion pictures. Um, the way the way Arvin makes their films, they use sounds. They you know they don't use talking, but they use sounds to create comedy in these situations, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's not suitable, you know, for the for the little ones who are a bit impatient. But um, for the older ones who can get it, I think they're going to love it. What do you feel like that the, that the kids can get used to silent, the silent kind of witty comedy that goes on? As they get older, but in this day and age where 
you know, where dialogue is almost a necessity. You know, if you're going to watch a movie where TV shows is dialogue heavy, I just don't think the younger ones are really going to enjoy it. The ones in my theater, they laughed occasionally, but they were really kind of out of tune with it because there wasn't any talking, you know, and they had to follow the story with just their eyes instead of their eyes and their ears. Understood. Now, this film, since this film is based off a short, how do you think the story kind of adapted to an hour and a half film? Oh, the story, it, um, it flew by for me. Uh, it, it went by very quickly. It's not a, you know, it's not an original out there story. It's a story we all know and love. But, um, you know, like Ebert said, it's not, it's not where you're going. It's the journey there, and the journey there is is top notch entertainment from Armin once again. Quoting Ebert, I love it. I am a huge <laughs> fan of Roger Ebert. He's a very uh, inspirational film critic towards me. Yes, he is. Very good film critic. And so, talking about the the general medium of animation, what do you say about the future of like animation um, with claymation, CGI? Do you feel like that? What would you prefer, claymation or CGI? Wow, I've <laughs> I've never really I've never really thought about it. I I like both. I prefer claymation. It's um it's more imaginative for me. But CGI, oh, CGI can be so beautiful. When I think of CGI animation, I think of that one shot of Beauty and the Beast. Before they sing tales all this time, where they do the pan to the chandelier, and then they go down. I, that's that's the beauty of CGI, and I love that. But claymation is just so it's so quirky and offbeat. I I really like claymation. Me too. I think, and it's it's rare to see them in film, but once we do see them, it's like getting a unexpected present um, a few days before your birthday. It's just like wow, I was, yeah, I was expecting this. It's something different, and I love it. Totally agree. Now, how many? So you were talking about the age range for this film. What would you say the age range would be? I would say from 12 to 18, definitely. I just, maybe 10. I just don't think anyone under 10 is really going to have the patience to sit through this. Understood. And I that's, I will say it's a little bit disappointing because I feel like I would wish that younger kids would be able to um, see silent films and be able to um, comprehend them more. I feel like kids are smaller than that. I feel like kids can handle the, uh, the silence and be able to understand and adapt to it. But I understand where you're coming from, that mm-hmm. the jokes may not be, under- they may not understand the jokes because, well, they're not used to silent. They're used to dialogue and talk, 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 exposition. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, physical comedy just really doesn't um, work too well on film anymore. Chaplin was able to do it. Yes. Uh, Buster Keaton was able to do it. But now it's, it's, uh, it's dialogue-heavy comedy. And I also think the physical comedy would go well with the younger ages. I can't agree with you more, but in the next statement, I don't think we're going to agree anymore, but I'm glad you agree right now. Uh, slapstick comedy is a dying art, and I feel like if slapstick comedy is done right, it could, it could be funny. And uh, that's hilarious. Look, Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. King of slapstick right there. Physical comedy, I totally agree with you. I'm a Jim Carrey fan as well. So I'm glad we were able to agree for this segment. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much, really, for talking about Shaun the Sheep. I got to go check out the film. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I love it as always. You're great. Thank you. You too. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. 
We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we just got done talking about Sean the Sheep, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Ricky and the Flash, Fantastic Four, and James Achilles about the Kids World new app. Now, right now, we're going to have the debate of the century with between me and Willie Jones about whether or not comic book films are art. Now, Here's a couple of rules. First of all, there are many different types of art. There are many people who look at art in different ways. So we kind of narrowed it down to as art as something that transcends through time and cinema. Transcends meaning it goes above and beyond the limits and all that. So I'm going to be starting out my opening statement on whether or not comic book films are art. First of all, let me drink from my Marvel mug. <laughs> ah, there we go. All right. But now, first of all, I think as I'm not going to say that films like Avengers of Ultron live up to the standards of Citizen Kane. I love Sister Kane. I'm, I'm in a, I have a nostalgic film bone in me. I love watching classic films. But what I will say is this. I love comic book films, and I, I know they transcend through time because what they do is they take these nostalgic and iconic comic book characters and they give them a human side. They're superhuman, but they're still human in that world. Uh, in Iron Man, I think it's – I love Iron Man because – we have Robert Downey Jr. and we have this character who has done some, who didn't know what he was doing was wrong. He's creating weapons of mass destruction and finally he decides to get the gumption to fix it. And he has a weaponized, and I understand that sometimes, um, com- uh, that comic book films can be just seen as just mindless action, but I don't believe that. I believe that they are quality entertainment and quality art. Because they've created this universe. Film is supposed to bring you into a universe and a unknown world. And that's what the Marvel Universe has done in film. We have films like... We, we have developed our characters in separate films like Iron Man, Captain America. And 
we create, we flesh out these characters, and then we make films like Avengers, where we know these characters. We know them, and we're, just, and we're able just to put them in a situation, and the story writes itself, and that's three-dimensional characters. And Marvel Company is still expanding this universe. Ant-Man is the, one of the first examples of this universe being um, intertwining with different universes. Ant-Man and the Avengers. And we have a whole interaction between Falcon and Ant-Man. So I believe they go above and beyond limits in that way. Really? Great, great opening. I agree that films are supposed to bring you into their world. When film first started, when Edison was making those 20-second shorts, he, he saw the commerciality in film. And yes, they were entertainment, but through the time, through, through the 20s and 30s, film started to become art. Art is something that, that doesn't just transcend its own medium. It's something that transcends time. It's something unique and that stands out. There's a reason people can still watch Casablanca over 60 years from now. There's a reason City Lights and Birth of a Nation and His Girl Friday are still relevant today because, that's, because those are artful. Iron Man... Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, yes. They're very entertaining. And yes, they are their own separate entity in their own universe. But that has less to do with their cinematic uniqueness than it does with their commerci- you know, their commerciality, their, their play towards the masses. Things like The Tree of Life, for example. The Tree of Life by no means you know, was a success here domestically because it was too out there. There's too much thinking involved with The Tree of Life. It's it's something that represents us internally, makes us think, makes us feel. It's emotional. Whereas something like Ant-Man, who outdid the Tree of Life in one weekend and the Tree of Life did in its entire run, is just simply something you go to see on a Friday night after a long week at work. And we need those. We need those in cinema because they relieve us from all the heavy things. But at the end of the day, if, if our civilization were to fall, what would you have the next civilization you know, watch that represents us. What do you want to represent us? Ant-Man or the Tree of Life? I would pick the Tree of Life 10 times out of 10, you know, every day of the week, twice on Sunday, simply because it says so much more. That's so much more relevant to the changing of our society and to the changing of who we are as humans. And film can do that. And that's why, that's why I don't think Marvel movies are art, because they don't do that. They don't change things. They entertain simply just to entertain. I agree with you to an extent. I, Tree of Life and films like those, I understand that we have films to make us think. And I agree. I don't, the general masses aren't, sometimes they can't comprehend these films. Like Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, a very wonderful director, has created films like 2001 Space Odyssey and Clockwork Orange that for then, could, they couldn't handle They couldn't comprehend that this was on cinema. And now, thank goodness, they have got a general media and actually a bigger following. But I don't feel like comic book films are the entirely thing to blame. I feel like there are many comic films, um, there are many comedy, sorry, comedy films that I don't feel like are good, like parodies. I don't feel like parodies are good as what they used to, but it's not about parody, it's about comic books. Look back to when you were a kid. What do you imagine? What do, what do you imagine when you were a kid? You imagine yourself being a superhero. I mean, I remember I wanted to become a superhero. And whether you're a hero to strangers, to your family, maybe you had superpowers, maybe you were a doctor, a fireman, whatever. You wanted to be a hero. You want to be something you want. And I feel like comic book films bring you back to that time when you were a kid and you had this imagination and you took out the... I know a friend of mine who had a cereal box and you would cut out the characters and you would play with those characters and... Watching comic book films reminded him of how he used 
to play with these characters, these cardboard cutout characters, which now, nowadays, these, aren't, these characters aren't cardboard cutouts. They're three-dimensional characters with wonderful actors and fleshed out three-dimensional characters. These characters have been brought to life. And what I mean when they transcend through time, if they don't do a good job with this, the fans would not like it because they don't do justice to their favorite characters. And that's why people love these films, because they do do justice to their favorite comic book characters. You're listening to Kids vs. Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we'll just talk about the films Wiki and the Flash, Mission Impossible, Shaun the Sheep, and Fantastic Four, and talking about James Achilles about the Kids World app. Right now, I'm continuing my debate with Willie about comic book films, and I just got done with my, with my statement. Willie, leave it your turn. Okay. Listen, I know that most of the world, most people who watch movies are moviegoers. They're not aficionados. They don't really care for terms like cinematography or, you know, or a tracking shot or things like that. And then you have the movie buffs. You have the likes of you and I. You have, you know, the Eberts of the world, other filmmakers. The moviegoers perceive films like uh, The Savages or Cloud Atlas as boring and, and pretentious and overcomplicated and snobby. And they think that movie buffs consider, you know, the Mission Impossibles of the world as, you know, stupid entertainment. And it's simply not true. The way I view them is this. Mission Impossible 5 is the fifth Mission Impossible. There have already been four of the same thing. How much of, how much of that formula can we get? I mean, what, where is the art? Where is the art in, you know, the same exact story over and over again? Where is the art in predictability and cliche and triteness? And no matter how much of your mind has been escaped for, for two hours, the fact of the matter is you come out of that movie numb. You come out of it numb because you've seen the same movie before and you're going to see the same movie again next summer. It's all recycled. That's all Hollywood is. Whereas the artful film, the artful films, independent films, the films by you know Paul Thomas Anderson, J.C. Chandor, um, uh, Alexander Payne, those are films that last. Those are films that are unique that you remember. And 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, those are the films you're going to come back to in sight as the greatest. There Will Be Blood is one of the greatest <laughs> movies of all time and of this century. That's going to be remembered 40, 50 years from now. Mission Impossible 3 came out the same exact year, grossed more. 30 years from now, no one's going to remember it. No one remembers Mission Impossible 3 now. You know why? Because there have been two more since. Two more of the same story, the same plot, the same formula, the same everything. Art has to be unique. It cannot simply just be a story. It cannot simply stimulate your imagination. It has to be unique. Superhero films are great. I love them. They, they provide you know, great nostalgia, childhood memories. But the fact of the matter is, there's going to be one in six months from now. There really is. And there's going to be one years from now, and two years from now, and three years from now. And they're all going to be the same. You know, what, you know what's going to happen. And, I mean, it's just two hours of, gosh, I'm off of work tonight. Want to go see a movie? No, I don't want to think. Let's see this. It's not going to last. They just don't. I do understand your frustration with general me- general audiences and not going for like intellectual films. And 
I don't look at my. I look at myself as a combination between movie buffs and movie goers. I like the old-fashioned films. I love watching old-fashioned films. Abbott and Costello. I have a whole cassette tape of Abbott and Costello films that I love watching over and over again. But when you talk about formulas, when you really get down to it, every. Every story has been told. I mean, if we really go to the bare minimum of some stories, some, there's sometimes it's good versus evil. Sometimes it's just fish out of water stories. But what makes art interesting and what makes film still alive is the execution of these stories. These stories are executed in different ways. I believe that Age of Ultron, yes, you can say that it's just a good versus evil story. But what separates it is the characters, is the execution. These, we have built up Age of Ultron for quite a while now. Ever since Iron Man, we have built this up. There's this sense of build-up. It's like waiting for your next comic. You're waiting for the next issue of Iron Man. And when you finally have it, you're excited and you want to read it and you want to enjoy it and i know that some that some comic films are not going to be as timeless as casablanca but i believe that if you think that film lovers go to film festivals book lovers go to book sales comic con is made for comic book film and book lovers comic book comic books have been around for, for a long time. And what makes it even better is that these th- these characters are still alive today. Superman has been going on for a long time. And I understand that they may not be as timeless as Casablanca, but there's an audience for it. And there's an audience for films like Casablanca and Citizen King. There was an audience for that. There's also an audience for comic books. Now, we may disagree with whether we think it's art, but I believe that they transcend through time, and I believe that Iron Man and Captain America are going to live on as much as Articus from To Kill a Mockingbird. But that's just my opinion, and I'm okay with your opinion. And I think, and by the way, guys, this debate was all friendly. We're still friends by the end. Please, guys, go jump to your own conclusion, whether you believe comic book films are art or not. Either way, the movie industry is still thriving, and I believe there are still artistic films out there, and there's still artistic films like comic books out there but really, <laughs> i thank you very much for your wonderful debate you are an intellectual very articulate guy and i was proud to be in a debate with you thank you very much sir oh man i enjoyed it so much you put up a great fight this was great i try my best so thank you guys hopefully you guys like this and hopefully you see more debates you have been listening to kids first coming attractions to see our latest dvd releases and movie reviews go to www.kidsfirst.org also check out our wonderful blogs on huffington post we are brought to you by the coalition of children's media we believe that smart kids make smart consumers i'm your host Kiva blakesley and you're listening to kids first coming attractions thank you for listening Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. 